Chapter Fourteen, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Fourteen, Part Two. So saying, light as a bird, Rigolette descended the staircase, followed by Rodolphe, who went into his own room to brush off the dust which had settled on him in Monsieur Pipelet's garret we will hereafter disclose how it was that rodolphe was not informed of the carrying off of fleur-de-marie from the farm at bouqueval and why he had not visited the morels the day after his conversation with madame d'harville rodolphe furnished by way of saving appearances with a thick roll of papers entered rigolette's chamber rigolette was nearly the same age as goualeuse her old prison acquaintance there was between these two young girls the same difference that there is between laughter and tears between joyous light-heartedness and melancholy dejection between the wildest thoughtlessness and a dark and constant reflection on a future between a delicate refined elevated poetic nature exquisitely sensitive and incurably wounded by remorse and a gay lively happy good and compassionate nature rigolette had no sorrows but those derived from the woes of others and with these she sympathized with all her might devoting herself body and soul to any suffering fellow-creature but her back turned on them to use a common expression she thought no more about them she often checked her bursts of laughter by a flood of tears and then checked her tears by renewing her laughter like a real parisian rigolette preferred excitement to calm and motion to repose the loud and echoing harmony of the orchestra at the fete of the chartreuse or the colisee to the soft murmurs of the breeze waters and leaves the bustling disturbance of the thoroughfares of paris to the silent solitude of the fields the brilliancy of fireworks the flaring of the grand finale the uproar of the maroons and roman candles to the serenity of a lovely night starlight clear and still alas yes the dear good little girl actually preferred the pavement of the streets of the capital to the fresh moss of the shaded paths perfumed with violets the dust of the boulevards to the waving of the ears of corn mingled with the scarlet of the wild poppies and the azure of the bluebells rigolette only left her chamber on sundays and each morning to provide her prescribed allowance of chickweed bread milk and millet for herself and her two birds as madame pipelet observed but she lived in paris for paris and would have been wretched to have resided anywhere but in the capital a few words as to the personal appearance of the grisette and we will then introduce rodolphe into the chamber of his neighbour rigolette was scarcely eighteen years of age of middle height rather small than large but so gracefully formed so admirably proportioned so delightfully filled out so entirely in accordance with her step which was light and easy that she seemed perfect of her kind the movement of her finely formed feet always encased in well-made boots of black cloth with a rather thick sole reminded you of the quick pretty and cautious tread of the quail or wagtail she did not seem to walk but to pass over the pavement as if she were gliding over the surface this step so peculiar to grisettes at once nimble attractive and as if somewhat alarmed may doubtless be attributed to three causes their desire to be thought pretty their fear of being mistaken for what they are not and to the desire they always have not to lose a minute in their peregrinations rodolphe had not seen rigolette but by the dim light of morel's garret or on the landing-place equally obscure and he was therefore really struck by the bright and fresh countenance of the young girl when he softly entered her apartment which was lighted up by two large windows 
he remained motionless for a moment in admiration of the striking picture before his eyes standing in front of a glass placed over her mantelpiece rigolette was tying under her chin the ribbons of a small cap of bordered tulle ornamented with a light trimming of cherry-coloured riband the cap which fitted tightly was placed at the back of her head and thus revealed two large and thick bandeaux of glossy hair shining like jet and falling very low in front her eyebrows fine and well-defined seemed as if traced in ink and curved above two large black piercing and intelligent eyes her firm and velvety cheeks were suffused with the rosy hue of health fresh to the eye fresh to the touch like a ripe peach covered with the dew of dawn her small upturned attractive and saucy nose would have been a fortune to any lisette or marton her mouth which was rather large had rosy and moist lips small white close and pearly teeth and was laughter-loving and sportive three charming dimples which gave a characteristic grace to her features were placed two in her cheeks and the other in her chin close to a beauty spot a small ebony speck which was most killingly situated at the corner of her mouth between a worked collar which fell very low and the border of the little cap gathered in by a cherry-coloured riband was seen a forest of beautiful hair so accurately twisted and turned up that their roots were seen as clearly and as black as if they had been painted on the ivory of that lovely neck a plum-coloured merino gown with a plain back and close sleeves made skilfully by rigolette covered a figure so small and slender that the young girl never wore a corset for economy's sake an ease and unusual freedom in the smallest action of the shoulders and body which resembled the facile undulations of a cat's motions evinced this fact imagine a gown fitting tightly to a form rounded and polished as marble and we must agree that rigolette could easily dispense with this accessory to the toilet of which we have spoken the tie of a small apron of dark green levantine formed a girdle around her waist which might have been spanned by the ten fingers believing herself to be alone for rodolph still remained at the door motionless and unperceived the grisette having smoothed down her bandeau with her small hand white and delicately clean put her small foot on a chair and stooped to tie the lace of her boot this attitude developed to rodolph a portion of a cotton stocking white as snow and a well-formed ankle and leg after the detail we have given of this toilet we may guess that rigolette had selected her prettiest cap and best apron to do honour to her neighbour on their excursion to the temple she found the pretended tradesman's clerk very much to her taste his face at once kind bold and animated pleased her greatly and then he had been so kind to the morels by giving up his room to them so that thanks to this proof of goodness and perhaps also to his good looks rodolph had unwittingly advanced into the confidence of the grisette with giant strides she according to her ideas founded on the compelled intimacy and reciprocal obligation which neighbourhood invites thought herself very fortunate in having such a neighbour as rodolph to succeed to the travelling clerk cabrion and françois germain for she was beginning to find that the next room had remained very long empty and was afraid that she would never again see it occupied in an agreeable manner rodolph took advantage of his invisibility to cast a curious eye around him and he found the apartment even beyond the praises which madame pipelet had bestowed on the extreme cleanliness of the humble home of rigolette nothing could be more lively or better arranged than this apartment a grey paper with green garlands covered the walls the floor painted of a red colour shone like a looking-glass 
a small earthenware stone was placed in the chimney where was piled up very symmetrically a small store of wood cut so short so thin that without exaggeration each piece might have been compared to a very large match on the stone mantelpiece painted grey marble there were for ornaments two pots of common flowers covered with green moss a small case of boxwood contained a silver watch instead of a pendule on one side was a brass candlestick shining like gold and having in it a small piece of wax light and on the other side no less resplendently one of those lamps formed by a cylinder and a brass reflector supported by a bar of steel and having a base of lead a tolerably large square glass in a black wood frame was over the mantelpiece curtains of grey and green persian cloth with a woollen fringed border cut and worked by rigolette and hung in light rings of black iron decorated the windows and the bed was covered with a counterpane of the same make and material two closets with glass doors and painted white were in each side of the recess enclosing no doubt household utensils the portable stove the fountain brooms etc for none of these things spoiled the neat appearance of the chamber a chest of drawers of well-veined and shining walnut tree four chairs of the same wood a large table for ironing and working covered with one of those green woollen coverings which we sometimes see in a peasant's cottage a straw armchair with a stool to match the constant seat of the workwoman such was the unpretending furniture there was too in one of the window seats a cage with two canary birds the faithful companions of rigolette by one of those notable ideas which occur to the poor this cage was placed in the middle of a large wooden chest about a foot deep placed on a table this chest which rigolette called her bird's garden was filled with mould covered with moss during the winter and in spring the young girl sowed grass seeds and planted flowers there rodolph examined the place with interest and entered fully into the cheerful disposition of the grisette he pictured to himself this solitude enlivened by the song of the birds and of rigolette herself in summer no doubt she worked at the open window half veiled by a verdant curtain of sweet peas roses nasturtiums and blue and white convolvulus in winter she warmed herself near her small stove by the soft light of her lamp rodolph was thus reflecting when looking mechanically at the door he saw there a large bolt a bolt which would not have been out of place on the door of a prison this bolt made him reflect it might have two meanings two very distinct uses to close the door on the lover within to close the door on the lover without rodolph was aroused from his reflections by rigolette who turning her head saw him and without changing her attitude said to him what neighbour are you there then the well-formed ankle instantly disappeared beneath the ample skirt of the plum-coloured gown and rigolette added ah mr cunning i was here admiring in silence admiring what neighbour this pretty little room for neighbour you are lodged like a queen why you must know that it is my enjoyment i never go out and so i can do no less than make my home comfortable but really i never saw anything half so nice what pretty curtains and the drawers as handsome as mahogany you must have spent a great deal of money here oh don't mention it if i had of my own four hundred and twenty-five francs when i left the prison and almost all has been spent when you left the prison you yes but it is a very long story of course you do not suppose that i was in prison for anything wrong 
of course not but how was it after the cholera i was quite alone in the world i was then i think ten years of age but who had taken care of you till then ah some excellent people but they died of the cholera here rigolette's large eyes became moistened they had sold the little they possessed to pay their small debts and i remained without having any one who would take care of me not knowing what to do i went to the guard-house opposite to our house and said to the sentinel sir my relations are dead and i do not know where to go what must i do then the officer came and he took me to the commissary who put me in prison as a vagabond and i did not go out until i was sixteen years old but your relations i do not know who my father was and i was six years old when i lost my mother who had recovered me from the enfant trouvé foundling hospital where she had been compelled at first to place me the kind people of whom i spoke to you lived in our house they had no children and seeing me an orphan they took care of me and what were they what was their business or pursuit papa Critu, so i always called him was a house-painter and his wife worked at her needle then they were pretty well off oh like other people in their station though they were not married but they called each other husband and wife they had their ups and downs to-day plenty if there was work to be had to-morrow short commons if there was none but that did not prevent the couple from being content and always cheerful at this remembrance rigolette's face brightened up there was not such a household in the quarter always merry always singing and with it all as good as they could be what they had any one was welcome to share mamma Critu was a plump body about thirty years old as neat as a penny as active as an eel as merry as a lark her husband was a regular good-tempered fellow with a large nose a wide mouth and always a paper cap on his head and such a funny face oh so funny you could not look at him without laughing when he came home after work he did nothing but sing and make faces and gamble like a child he used to dance me on his knees and play with me like a child of my own age and his wife spoiled me as if i had been a blessing to her they both required only one thing from me and that was to be in a good humour and in that i never thwarted them thank heaven so they called me rigolette note seven and the name has stuck to me as to mirth they set me the example for i never saw them sorrowful if ever there was a word it was the wife who said to her husband Crétu, you silly fellow do be quiet you make me laugh too much then he said to her hold your foolish tongue ramonette i don't know why he called her ramonette do be still you really make my sides ache you are so funny and then i laughed to see them laugh and in this way i was brought up and in this way they formed my disposition and i hope i have profited by it note seven the french verb rigoler is to be merry e t most assuredly you have neighbour so there never were any disputes between them never oh never sunday monday and sometimes on tuesday they made holiday or kept wedding day as they called it and always took me with them papa Critu was an excellent workman and when he chose to work he could earn what he pleased and so could his wife too if they had got enough to do for sunday and monday and live on pretty comfortably they were perfectly satisfied if after this they were on short allowance for a time they didn't mind it i remember when we had only bread and water papa Critu took from his library he had a library then oh he used to call a little box so 
in which he put his collection of new songs for he bought all the new ones and knew them every one when then there was nothing but bread in the house he used to take an old cookery book from his library and say to us well now let us see what shall we eat to-day this or that and then he used to read out a long list of good things each of us chose a dish and then papa crétu took an empty saucepan and with the funniest airs and gestures in the world pretended to put into the saucepan all the ingredients requisite for making a capital stew and then he used to pretend to pour it all out into a dish also empty which he placed on the table with still the same drollery which almost split our sides then he took up his book again and whilst he was reading to us for instance the recipe of a good fricassee of chicken which we had chosen and which made our mouths water we ate our bread all laughing like so many mad people and in this happy household were there any debts to trouble them none whatever so long as the money lasted they ate drank and made merry and when it was all gone they lived upon make-believe as before and did they never think of the future oh yes they thought of it of course but what is the future to such as we present and future are like sunday and monday the one we spend gaily and happily outside the barriers the other is got over in the faubourg and why since this couple seems so well assorted did they never marry a friend of theirs once put that very question in my presence well and what did they say oh said they if ever we have any children it may all very well to marry but as far as we are concerned we do very well as we are and why should we make an obligation of that which we now perform willingly besides getting married costs money and we have none to spare in unnecessary expenses but my goodness added rigolette how i am running on but really when once i begin to talk of these kind people who were so good to me i never know when to leave off here neighbour will you give me my shawl off the bed and put it nicely over my shoulders then pin it underneath the collar of my habit shirt with this large pin and then we will set off for it will take us some time to select the different things you wish to buy for the poor morels rodolph readily obeyed the directions of rigolette first he took from the bed a large plaid shawl which he placed with all imaginable care on the well-formed shoulders of rigolette that will do neighbour now lift up my collar and press the shawl and dress together then stick in the pin but pray try not to prick me with it the prince executed the orders given with zealous accuracy then observed smilingly to the grisette ah mademoiselle rigolette i should not like to be your femme de chambre there is danger in it yes i know answered rigolette gaily there is great danger for me of having a pin run in by your awkwardness but now added she after they had left the room and carefully locked the door after them take my key it is so large i always expect it will burst my pocket it is as large as a pistol and here the light-hearted girl laughed merrily at her own conceit rodolph accordingly took charge that is the prescribed form of speech of an enormous key which might well have figured in one of those allegorical devices in which the vanquished are represented as humbly offering the keys of their lost cities to the conquerors although rodolph believed himself too much changed by years to run any risk of being recognized by polidori he still deemed it prudent to draw up the collar of his paletot as he passed by the door of the apartments belonging to the quack bradamanti neighbour said rigolette don't forget to tell m pipelet that you are about to send in some things which are to be carried at once up to your chamber 
you are right my good friend let us step into the porter's lodge for an instant Monsieur pipelet with his everlasting bell-shaped hat on his head dressed as usual in the accustomed green coat and seated before a table covered with scraps of leather and fragments of boots and shoes was occupied in fixing a new sole on a boot his whole look and manner impressed with the same deeply meditative air which characterized his usual proceedings anastasie was just then absent from the lodge well monsieur pipelet said rigolette i hope you will be pleased to hear the good news thanks to my good neighbour here the poor morels have got out of trouble la when one thinks of that poor man being taken off to prison oh those bailiffs have no hearts nor manners either mademoiselle rejoined m pipelet in an angry tone wrathfully brandishing the boot then in progress of repair and into which he had inserted his left hand and arm no i have no hesitation in declaring in the face of all mankind that they are a set of mannerless scoundrels why taking advantage of the darkness of our stairs they actually carry their indecent violence so far as to lay their audacious fingers upon the waist of my wife when i first heard the cries of her insulted modesty i could not restrain myself and spite of all efforts to restrain myself i yielded to the natural impetuosity of my disposition yes i will frankly confess my first impulse was to remain perfectly motionless but i suppose afterwards said rigolette who had much ado to preserve a serious air afterwards monsieur pipelet you pursued them and bestowed the punishment they so well deserved i'll tell you mademoiselle answered pipelet deliberately when these shameless ruffians passed before my lodge my blood boiled and i could not prevent myself from hastily covering my face that i might not be shocked by the sight of these luxurious malefactors but afterwards i ceased to be astonished for well i knew i might expect some sight or sound to shock my senses full well i was prepared for some direful misfortune ere the day had passed for i dreamed last night of cabrion rigolette smiled while the heavy groans which broke from the oppressed mind of the porter were mingled with blows of his hammer as he vigorously applied it to the sole of the boot he was mending you wisely chose the wisest part my dear monsieur pipelet that of despising offences and holding it beneath you to revenge them but try to forget these ill-conducted bailiffs and oblige me by doing me a great favour man is born to help his fellow-man drawled out pipelet in a melancholy and sententious tone and he is still further called upon so to do when a good and worthy gentleman moreover a lodger in one's house is concerned what i have to request of you is to carry up to my apartments for me several things i am about to send in and which are for the morels make yourself easy upon that point monsieur replied pipelet i will faithfully perform your wishes and afterwards said rodolphe mournfully you must obtain a priest to watch by a little girl the morels have lost in the night go and give the requisite notification of the death and bespeak a suitable funeral make your mind easy monsieur replied pipelet more gravely even than before directly my wife returns i will go to the mayor the church and the traiteurs to the church for the soul of the dead to the traiteurs for the body of the living added m pipelet philosophically and poetically consider it done in both cases my good sir consider it done at the entrance to the alley rodolphe and rigolette encountered anastasie returning from market with a huge basket of provisions that's right that's right 
cried the porteress looking at the pair with a knowing and significant air there you go arm in arm already to be sure look and love love and look young people will be young people no doubt aunt me and alfred was just the same who ever heard of a pretty girl without a bow so go along my dears and make yourselves happy while you can then after gazing after them some minutes the old woman disappeared in the depths of the alley crying out alfred my old darling don't worry yourself stasie's coming to bring you something nice oh so nice end of chapter fourteen part two end of the mysteries of paris volume two by eugene sue read by celine major